Put down your pens, put down your pencils, step away from the keyboards and settle in for this week's episode of The Writer's Block. Uh, first and foremost, allow me to thank Don and Sally Wright for giving birth to me because without them, none of this is possible. Also, <laughs> uh, yeah. let me thank Muddied Waters Media for allowing me to do this show. And uh, today I'm thanking, I'm thanking somebody different today. It's weird and new. Uh, Happy thank to you. be here. <laughs> Well, thank you to Muddy Water Cava mm-hmm. for Cava and tea, Muddy Water Cava and Tea in St. Petersburg for the yeah. Cava we are drinking today. It's delicious. Uh, to all of them above, Bula Vinaka. Bula Vinaka. Today on my guest. Today on my guest. Today my guest on my show. <laughs> Woo! Today my guest on my show is Joshua Woolbright. How are you? How you doing? I'm all right. I'm Excellent. All right. It's been a long day. But I'm all right. Yeah. Happy to be here. Good. Glad. Um, so you and I actually, like we live here in the same city, we run in the same circles and we just met. Exactly. Uh, Uh, I don't know how it came to be really. What, what? We were at Muddy, I think. No, we were at, we were at Low Tide's, uh, Low Tide's fifth annual. once before then. Did we? Yeah, we did. We were, it was, it was Muddy Waters and it was like, I want to say two or three a.m. in the middle of a, uh, probably a weeknight. This was back when I worked nights. Okay. And I remember... We chatted a little bit because there was this crazy ass movie that was on the uh, on the TVs that they were playing there, and it was about um, it was uh, Coley McCulkin, and he was all strung out on drugs, and I had never seen it. Yes, and I was like, okay, what you're the right. What's going right. on with this movie? And I remember us like exchanging like a little bit, and you were filming me in the kind of because I think we were sitting next to each other, and then from there, yeah, I think the next time was Low Tide. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I I had forgot. Okay, so that I was I had just driven back. I think that was the time that I had just driven back from Nashville. Oh, okay. And I didn't get in until like two or three o'clock in the morning. That so makes I went. Sense. I went to Muddy because I knew they were open. Yep. And I hadn't had kava, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to Muddy and drink a ton of kava because I'm not. I'm wired. <laughs> right. And so right I was there, one. and the it was a party monster was the name of the movie. Party Party Monster. That is right. Yeah. yeah. Party he, Monster he kills is, is uh. He kills his, his drug roommate. dealers. Yeah, his yeah, friends. His, his roommate, his roommate yeah. or drug dealer or something. That's right. I, I had forgotten that that was the first yeah. place you and I had met. Also, that was a crazy movie. That is I a, mean, it really does give a good highlight of what was going on at that time. That is at least a, with society. That is a crazy and movie. And drugs and, you know, culture in that sense. But that movie is... The first time I saw that movie, I was on Monster... Mon- no, it's not Monster Ball. Party Monster. Mm-hmm. No, Jacob LaBelle. Monster Ball starred Halle Berry and Billy Bob Thornton. Um, but, uh, yeah, the first time I saw that movie, I was on a lot of drugs. That's like, fair. Lots of drugs. It's always and, a good time to experience drug movies is when you're just, you're high as shit. I right. Mean, <laughs> I mean, it's true. The first time I saw Requiem for a Dream, I was mm. just on so many things that I'm not going to actually admit to doing <laughs> okay. right now. That's all right. Um, 
But yeah, I was on so many drugs the first time I saw Requiem. And I, mean, I love that movie. Yeah, I yeah. immediately saw it and I went, that's fucked it's up. It's my favorite movie. Yeah, I was like, man, that movie's fucked up. This is the most I'm going to curse on the show in a while. But uh, I was like, man, that movie's fucked up. Until tonight. <laughs> and um, and my roommate got home, and I was like, dude, you got to watch this movie. And like, we're sitting there doing more drugs mm-hmm. and watching this movie, and he's like, do you feel bad about doing drugs watching this movie? And I'm, no. Not really. <laughs> no, why would I? <laughs> in fact, oh, man. I feel pretty darn good about it. Hey. We may lose our arms. No. Nah. We're not shooting anything into our arms yet. Yet. Uh, <laughs> the night is early. Right. We only just started the podcast. So right. Cut <laughs> the breaks a little. But no, uh, I think, I got to think, the, the it's not really a drug movie, but the, the one movie that really stuck out to me, I mean, it was probably stuck out to me because I, I was high as shit when I first saw it, but it was actually called In Bruges. And uh, oh, it's actually yeah, a, a, good movie. It's a dark comedy. Uh, about two hitmen, and one of them he They're just in Bruges. right, right, exactly <laughs> in uh, Belgium, and he 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 goes on his first assignment, and he actually he he shoots his target, and he, he eliminates his target, but the bullets go through the target and actually kill a little kid, and he's traumatized by that fact, and throughout the you know the whole story of the movie, it's real dark comedy, but yeah. there's a lot of drug use, and I I was I was I was uh, hanging out with some yayo. And I was coming down from some yayo, rather, and it was uh, it really hit home for me, and I kept that movie right here ever since. I get that. Never look back. I definitely understand it. Yeah, the uh, the coming down from the yayo. Mm. That'll that'll sit with it you. It was my it. first time, oh. uh, and I had done uh, a, a little over. It was I think it was one point two in a night, and it had only been like four hours. And to do you know, and it was very it was high quality. So to go from like uh, you know over a gram in one. And one sitting in a night and, you know, my nose bleeding and all that to having never done it and then wake up the next day. I didn't leave that bed for three days, man. I was, I was toasted. I mean, the, the, first, the first time that I did that uh, was my 21st birthday. Okay. and Good occasion. Yeah. I, I had zero intention <laughs> of that night turning into that. Um, and you never do. You, I, ne- yeah, you never I, plan for it to I, happen. Right, that you just walk time, into the bathroom, and then all of a sudden you see these guys standing around like the toilet paper dispenser, and you're like, "What the fuck is going on?" Right. <laughs> then the rest of the night disappears. Pretty much. Yeah. No, <laughs> so my 21st birthday, I turned 21 on a Sunday, like midnight Sunday, starting at midnight, mm-hmm. and the bar would not let me in until midnight. Hmm. Really? So they were like, and you know, I get it. Is it like a theme bar? No, like it was just, I was under 21 until midnight. Oh, right, (laughs) right. right. They wouldn't wouldn't let me in. They really stuck to it. They did. I was at 11.59. I was like, can I go in? He looked at his watch and no. (laughs) And I was like, wow. Bouncers, man, they're dicks. So I go in and uh, we started drinking, but we had, they tried to get me drunk in an hour and a half. Um... Was that when the bar closed, like right at two? Yeah. Okay, so you're trying to get in and yeah, get trying to get in as quick as possible. I gotcha. And so we uh, we were getting everything. You know, I was just slamming drinks. So I, at first, I was like, "Yeah, I just I'll, I'll have a beer." They're like, "No, you're 21. You can't have a beer. You've had beer." <laughs> and it's like that scene in Community where he's like, "I'll have a beer." And he's like, "No, you've had beer. You don't. Yeah. You don't want a beer. You don't uh, need it. You need well, something real. I'll have a seven and seven. No, you you don't want one of those." And I ended up having a Captain and Coke. Okay, classy drink. Classy, classy. yeah. Sure. It tastes like chocolate Coke. Yeah, and uh, and I had like three of them, and then they gave me a shot of something, a shot of just like straight rum. I don't know why. And then we 
like my buddy grabbed me and he was like this six foot five just behemoth of a guy and he just mm-hmm. grabs me and he's like you know his last call he goes hey we're going back to my house and I was like alright and then he goes um I got I got uh, I got an eight ball and I said I don't know what that means are we playing pool <laughs> <laughs> right and I because I knew all these people from a pool I was like I don't know what that means and he hey, goes oh well, you're about to learn and I went okay and so then we went back and we did all of it before 7am and then I wow. had to go home I was still living with my parents. And That's I had to, tough. That was real That's hard. Tough. And I had had to sneak oh, in to my house because I brutal. didn't want my parents to see me no. while I was just yacked out of my mind. Yeah. It's when you just you sneak in as quiet as you can. You go into your bedroom and you try and lock the door. If you had locks. My parents wouldn't let us have locks. No. You try and lock the door. You try and be as quiet as possible so that nobody knows you're home and you just pretend you're sleeping. Worst case scenario. Right. Exactly. Nobody sees you come in. But, uh... What were we supposed to talk about? <laughs> what were we supposed to talk about? Uh, Weren't we supposed uh, to talk about drugs? Our, our journey into yeah, libertarianism. You figured the drugs is a good way was, to get into it. Yeah, actually, hey, there you go. That's right. a fair point. Let uh, the gays protect their marijuana plants with their uh, right. AR-15s. I'm right. all for it. So, um, how did you be- <laughs> How did I? How did I, you become a libertarian? Oh, gosh. I would stay... I don't want to say political career because I don't have a career in politics, but I would say my political education, really, when my cerebral cortex had grown to a point where it was actually functioning, which you know is usually around 18, 19, right. and I could actually start garnering information and, and deciphering what I thought was real and what I thought was crap and where my opinions and my values fell was really at about 18, 19 years old when I was in college. And it was... It wasn't because I attended a lecture. It wasn't because I... And where did you go to school? I went to St. Leo University. I got my bachelor's there. I got a bachelor's in criminal justice. Okay. Then I I minored in psychology, and I got a specialization in homeland security and defense. But during my time there, really, I started my education with with politics in and of itself was from YouTube, honestly. It was from self-content creators or individual content creators like like podcasts like this and, and YouTubers and commentator channels where I really started to pick up on just the world events. And not only the world events, but one specific event or ten different events or a thousand events from, you know, five different perspectives each. And from there I started kind of molding where I fell and how I how I thought about things and what things struck me as true and what things didn't. Right. And that's where really that started. And I would say the first the first commentator that that really stuck out, and this was before he was famous, because I say it now and everybody's like, oh, oh, oh yeah. But uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, back before, back when he was he was attending, like, private lectures and, and was at, like, PTA meetings and stuff for these universities. I apologize, that's my phone. Uh-oh. I'm going to go ahead and turn that off <laughs> real quick. Probably should have done that prior to the stream. It's all good. But, I was like, know, which, which one did I leave the notifications on? As you on? can see, I've done this many times. <laughs> what I'm doing, but no. Um, when it came to when it came to Milo, he he was everything that I was not, and and in a weird way, I don't want to say that attracted me, but that that really made me curious as to his ideas and thoughts because he was long blonde hair, you know, just like me, right. and he Obviously. he was this right. He was this super thin, super tall European, you know, he was from London, and and he he liked black dick like all he would talk about in his jokes was like how, how gay he was right and it was all these things that and i wasn't jewish. like right and he's jewish exactly and it wasn't that i was afraid of these things or that you know i was homophobic or or an anti-semite or something crazy but i was just 
it, they were just new to me. Right. And so to hear and see somebody just so vastly different from myself or what I thought of myself at the time and to get an understanding of how he viewed things and how he broke things down and how our minds were kind of similar and how we broke things down and how we understood things really just intrigued me. And from there, oh man, I just went down the rabbit hole from from poll to Reddit to to Fox to CNN to Breitbart to Infowars to all of it. I mean, just to, to everywhere. To everywhere. To the people that you guys don't know exist and the people that, that are, you know, the mainstream at the top that are constantly spinning webs. So, right. You know. But that's kind of how I started. How about you? Um, so I started much later in life. Like, I, I was always kind of political, but I grew up in a neocon household. Okay. Um, you know, we were blow them all up. Mm-hmm. And blow them all up like God sort them out, kind of a thing. Is that like uh, like um, American X, like or American <laughs> History X? American History X. We we were not like that. <laughs> no, no, not that far. <laughs> no, not that. We were not that far. I gotta say, Edward Norton's character in that movie is pretty fucking badass. But anyways, <laughs> I mean, not that I support that. Not that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just say let's, let's qualify. Let's qualify. <laughs> not that we support that, but you have to say uh, you have to give when, all these pre qualifications. When he's getting arrested, <laughs> right after he does His transformation, what, well. Like, in the scene where he's actually getting arrested after he boot-stomps that dude on the curb-stomps that guy. Absolutely. That, it, like, is the most terrifying vision of a person I have mm-hmm. ever seen on in any movie. It is. It's Because surreal. he did not give a shit that he was getting arrested for nope. what he just did. Smile on his face and everything. Yeah. Like, and, and the eyes. It was something oh, with, yeah. that he did with his eyes where it was like, he... Mm-hmm. Would do that again. And the crazy thing is the the acting of it was so well that he was able to put that image in your mind. And I guarantee you he's not a person that actually believes or walks that type of life. And yet he was still able to match those googly crazy eyes just oh, yeah. that well. But, I mean, his his character and his transformation is honestly kind of kind of beautiful. Because, I mean, there were some things, you know, post his jail sentence and 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 all that where he's changed his mind about these things and he's become more educated and he's dug into how it's not really the people and how it's really just these economic systems as well as the government as well as it's a myriad of things and then it, it's not really a, a skin-based issue and but one of those things from before was was actually a conversation he had with his dad when he was a kid and his dad's you know talking about him being a firefighter because his, his dad was a firefighter and he's saying you know, why is it that my partner, you know, can be somebody less qualified because they got extra points for the applicant pool because of their skin color, because they're hiring specifically minorities and things like that. And that was something that I was actually studying in university at the time that I saw American History X for the first time. And it was law enforcement departments with a bachelor's in criminal justice, you know, you're kind of you're kind of stuck in one very small field with very limited job options in terms of in terms of that. And when I was looking into law enforcement departments, there were some I won't name in Florida, but that I had friends in that that told me, hey, you know, in the applicant pool, you get points for certain things. You know, there's a thousand applicants; they have to separate them somehow. And you know that having my degree in the field that it was in was worth the same amount of points if I was a female and a minority. And when I heard that, I was like, "You really? Yeah. That 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 you know, that two years of dual enrollment, and then you know the additional four years outside of high school, and you know six years of total just college education, is worth less than or worth the same if I was you know a different gender and a different 
skin color. Right. And it blew my mind. It really did. And, and it really intrigued me to look further into these things. Because at first, it would just come across as, that's not right. But, you know, you start to break these things down and you realize, you know, these, these departments have to, they have to hire for the public eye. You know, they have quotas, and they have quotas for a reason, because they have to, because their chief and, and the public will, will tell them, hey, you know, you need to hire more 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 minorities. Right. You just, you you need, just to need to. African you have to have a diverse. If you don't have a diverse, you know, police department, then you can't effectively police. And I can understand some of the, the thoughts behind that. I can understand the, the research behind that as well. But it's just a, just interesting. It just really intrigued me. Yeah, and that's actually a really interesting way to look at it. Like, um, without a diverse police department, you can't police effectively. Correct. Um, You're right. It's, it's a very, it's a very valid it? point. And when I saw the movie, like, that had been a conversation I hadn't had before. Like, where it's like, if if you're hiring this person, mm-hmm. if you're hiring this person over this person who's more qualified, right? You're now leaving somebody who's more qualified out of. Mm-hmm. You know, out of doing the job that they potentially were meant to do Correct. because of skin color, Absolutely. and I saw that argument just mm-hmm. as easily. Right. Um, but you're right. You need to be able to police effectively, mm-hmm. and if you don't have diversity in the police departments, you're not going to be missing able. something. Right. Yeah. And it makes it tough. You know, it's. I was torn at the end of that movie, seeing it for the first time, primarily because there were some things I agreed with Edward Norton on. Uh, you know, before he had made his big transformation. And, of course, it was none of the, the violent and, and, and horrible atrocities right, that he the, wanted to commit. Not the pure hate. Not the, not the pure hatred and, you know, white is right. But the, but the, I mean, like the one I just explained, the one where, you know, it wasn't so much that I agreed with him, it was more that they were intriguing. That I was, you know, kind of biting into it and really thinking, you know, that, that makes sense. And then seeing the transformation happen and seeing him get out of prison and how he's changed his whole makeup and his whole mind, his whole life, and seeing how much more I agree with that side, too, and just kind of coming up with my own opinion. What was it like growing up in that? I mean, it had to have been hard. No, not really. I mean, not really. It's like that... Did it Did it seem different than than other things? I mean, than, than like, you know, your friends growing up? or No, because I, I, I honestly... Do you not realize it was I didn't, didn't even realize it was different. That's fair. Like... It wasn't, you know, like, this is going to sound so racist. I had black friends. Uh, <laughs> I had white friends. I had, I had white friends. friends. I had, I had black purple friends. friends. Right. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's like none of my friends were ever judged by or by my parents or anything like that. You know, it wasn't that, and it wasn't like uh, when, in American History X, when uh, Ed Norton's reading a book, and I don't remember what book Me it is. Me neither. He's laying on the on the gurney in the the medical. No, center, was, he's talking with his dad. It's when he's younger. Oh, and he's talking with his dad, and he was. Uh, oh, what was that? Because he was like, I think it started actually earlier, and he's reading a book, and he mm. was like, "What are you reading?" And he goes, "Oh, it's this book by this author. Um, they're having us read it for. It's mandated for Black History Month, right?" And the dad says, "Why? You know, that just means that they're pushing. What white author did they push? Right? Out? Exactly. I remember that part. Yeah, and." We had a little bit of that mm. where we had a little bit of that where it was like, you know, they're trying to make everything so PC. Right. Uh, they're trying to make everything so PC that they're going to eventually kind of like, it was like the seed that eventually became what the alt right did. I got you. Did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I never cared. Like, 
the Cosbys were on TV. I don't care. Like, I mean, nowadays... <laughs> I don't watch my shows, Mom. Nowadays, like, yeah, Family Matters. You know, <laughs> right? Steve Urkel's Leave funny his crap, you know, on 10. <laughs> um, but... Like, I don't care, I just want to watch TV. Right, I just want to sit here and watch TV and not think about anything. Right, exactly. I didn't even know they were black. Um, but uh, it, there was a little bit of that, but nothing nothing where it was like, oh, you can't hang out with them or anything like that. Okay. It was just kind of more of a... They're so it's worried more about, lightly seasoned than it right, yeah. <laughs> They're more. They were more worried that... That's terrible. They yeah. uh, were more worried that the push for diversity... The push for diversity uh, on TV would disproportionately be made, which you do see now. Like, yeah, uh, I think, or you, or you see it put in places where it's clear that it doesn't belong, right? And not because it doesn't belong because they're minorities and they don't belong here, but because they, the dynamic doesn't work. The situation feels forced. The emotions and the emoting and the acting feel dull and not, lifeless. Because not even that, but so you get just movies feels about slopped in there. It feels lazy. You know, it doesn't. I don't care if, if you know the whole cast of Star Wars is is black and trans. But yeah, yeah, I don't care. If the movie's good and the plot's good, then I'm all for it. But the Last Jedi was garbage. No, it wasn't. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to oh, get into oh, that garbage. discussion with you. Oh, it's garbage. Um, <laughs> We're not getting Uh-oh. into that discussion. Cross but, the uh, line. Yeah. <laughs> on that one, it should have said in the pre-notes, we don't talk about The Last Jedi. All right, no um, Star Wars. <laughs> love that movie. Um, but, uh, like, when people were saying that the members of Asgard were not okay. diverse enough. Well, All right. Yeah, it's a Norwegian area. Like Neither they, was Wakanda. <laughs> True. Nobody's nobody complained about that. But like people were complaining about you know Asgard not being diverse enough, and it's like, well, yeah. What do you like, it's, mean, it's it's stuff like that. Like there's a historical basis, and I mean, I, I, you know, it's all mythology, but mm-hmm. you know, it's it was still made a long time ago, and it still has a setting and a culture and a theory behind it and an overall theme and setting. Right. You know, it's and that that was the yeah. stuff that. That's the stuff that I think that they were more worried. Like you're going to be disproportionate. People wanted things to just push out what history and like historical mythology and all that. I mean, we're seeing it today, man. It, it, it breaks my heart when I see if when you, I see historical monuments being torn down, no matter whether they're associated with the Civil War on the, the bad side or the good side. And it's and you you're know, from Florida, uh, not originally. Where you're originally from? I'm originally from Oklahoma, Tulsa. Mm-hmm. So which side is the bad side for them? Okay. <laughs> which side is the bad side for them? I'm not sure if they were really a thing yet. And I don't think they were part of the original union. The But, I mean, what bothers me today is, is, is I mean, they were kind of on point in, in some ways. I'm not going to say, you know, everything was, was good or called for. But when you look at, when you look at monuments being taken down, taken down, take words, down. and you look at, when you look at specifically, people don't even remember or haven't even learned or don't understand the history behind the civil union and why the war was fought, why brother fought brother, and why it was split. And people just think it was slavery. And then people just think that was, you know, that was the whole overall arching theme and that was the point and, you know, that that's the history. Right. And that bothers me. It bothers me because that was a very minor part what, what, it, I mean, you know, it was okay. So it was a part of it, and it, it, I wouldn't say it was a minor part. It wasn't of it, minor, 
But being taught that it was a, f- a battle over slavery is wrong. I'm, I'm right there with you. That's that's the biggest thing for me is people won't even know basic people like you can ask people on the street nowadays. I watch videos sometimes on on YouTube. Really, like everybody does. And there's like it, they'll they'll go ask just simple questions like who's the vice president of the United States, and people won't even know. People don't know. And it's it blows my mind. Like it blows my mind. I'm saying like a lot. Blows my mind. <laughs> Like yeah. that, the you'll get used to that. That just happens. <laughs> I'll like the uh, it blows my mind that people don't appreciate you know what we had. And I think a lot of that, I, I think a lot of that comes down to just where our culture's at right now in terms of in terms of society, and right. in terms of what media has done and what social media has done to us and made us creatures of of beating the shit out of our reward center in our brain and getting that dopamine hit every every it's, second we can. Yeah, it's the instant gratification. Oh, it's man. the instant gratification generation. And we're seeing the effects of it, of these kids that are handed an iPhone at three, four, five years old. And it, and it you know, they're, they're 16, 17, 18. They're driving. They're holding jobs. They're going to college now. We're seeing the effect of, of how screwed up a mind really can be when it's just placed in front of electronics for... For essentially, it's whole Enti- life. Yeah, like it's, you know, like that. On like when I was a kid, we played outside, right? And, and that's it. You like, are you, know. a, like, you look like a Droid user there. I am. I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm a iPhone guy. But like they, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Star Wars and phones. Huh? Listen, <laughs> uh, but they started doing this new thing, screen time. I keep mine off because it's depressing. Um, but it'll what t- is it? It'll tell you how long you've been on your phone. Uh, and it'll tell you how long you've been okay, on different yeah, it would be apps depressing for on me your too. phone. I don't want to see that. No. So, like, I had it on for a little bit, and it was like, you were on news report, you know, your news apps mm-hmm. for X amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was never number one. Right. Uh, social media was number one. Yep, I believe it. Games mm-hmm. was number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Safari, Google, whatever, mm-hmm. that was number three. Yep. And then uh, the news apps were number, number four. four. And music, you're never like on that. Right. It's right. on. You but just you're bring not. it up and right. then you minimize so, it. Even though music's probably the one I use the most. Mm. No, it's not. Social media is still, <laughs> still the one I use the most. I've seen the posts on Instagram. Don't lie. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm on there. Do a lot. it for the gram. Yep. Sometimes you have to. Do it for the gram. Do it for the book. There you go. Um, that's it. I do it for the follow. Uh, <laughs> God, I wish that wasn't true. Uh, <laughs> but. Because of that, now they've set it where you can actually turn off apps on your phone after you've used them for a certain amount of time. That's that's pretty cool. I know it's actually. a it's a great plan. Like, and it parents is. have been doing that for their kids. And I think that's a that's, great that's great. I think honestly. that's yeah, that's if a great got, free market. Uh, what my parents didn't realize when we were kids, because a lot of this technology was first breaking ground. I mean, I remember when when smartphones weren't a thing. Me too. It didn't exist. You had. You had the some some of the phones slid and some, but that was about it. And most of them were flip phones or you know your car phone, and that was it. I'm not gonna and, lie. If I could get a razor again, oh, I would drop my iPhone <laughs> so fast and you get a razor. Could shoot that thing; it wouldn't break. Yeah, I know. Just still it was there. Just, it was this thing. It's it, a tough phone. It was, it was a tough was. phone. I was reading an article this morning actually on my way to work because I didn't actually want to drive this morning. So I was chilling and I was reading this article and this woman had her phone on maximum brightness because she thought she had like vision problems. And so she's been using her phone habitually for the past two and a half years on maximum brightness 
And it wound up that the scans of her eyes from just previous medical testing from two and a half years before to when she started using it on maximum brightness, she had burned over 500,000 holes into her retinas with her phone and had permanently blinded herself. Really? Really. Yeah, that's why I uh, always keep mine. I was uh, blown away. I was blown away. I usually keep mine at uh, Mm, the lowest yeah, the lowest possible. People are like, how do you even see that? And I'm like, because I'm not old. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm not dying. Yeah. I'm not dying. Yeah, so when I grew up, cell phones were like, cell phones were a thing, but they were not a regular thing. No. Pagers were just sort no. of becoming common. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, if, if, you, if I wanted to get in touch with somebody, I had to have... What fifteen cents? I don't know what it. Right, exactly. What a payphone cost. Text. Right, like <laughs> I couldn't do that. Cents. Like I need, I need to find a payphone and call somebody mm-hmm. and hope to God they were home. See, I'm not glad though. I'm glad those days are gone because that would suck. I mean, it does add a lot of convenience to our lives, but it does add a lot of convenience. You lose a lot it, of privacy with that convenience. Not <laughs> only do you lose really a lot did. of privacy, but you know. Back then, when you would... God, that made me sound so old. Way back uh, when. Way back. Back in my day. Back in my day. Went backwards, up the mountain with no back legs, in, in the snow, in the lava. One, you had to... Pl- like, you Too actually had to back. plan stuff. Mm-hmm. Being late was, right. it, was not an option. Yep. And, and you had to plan it two weeks ahead of time. And on top of that, you know, that was normal. Right. Nowadays... You try to hit somebody up and make a plan with them two weeks ahead of time. You're they forget. They drop out. They're you know they never show. Or on top of that, they're like, "Why do you want to plan it so far ahead? Like, right. just text me tomorrow. Just right. text me an hour from now. Like, just, you know yeah, what I mean? Just text me. Just text me the night before and remind me. Exactly. And there have been multiple times, like for this show specifically, mm-hmm. that I'll do that with guests. I'll be like, "Hey, can I get you on two weeks from now?" And they'll be like, "Yeah, absolutely." I'm like, "Great." Completely forgot. And the day before, <laughs> I'll text them and they read it. Because oh, Facebook tells me, yep. they read it and they don't and ever like, respond. Oh, uh, I told them I'd do that. To do Crap. that thing. I'm just never going to respond to that. Yep, I, I and then it leaves me scrambling through the next day. Well, luckily I didn't do that. We did not do that. I and, tried uh, to be a man of my I, uh, I had a really good feeling you would not do that. I tried not to. I tried not to. I was like, it's, hey, I'm going to be a little late. Hang in there. But it's funny. Yeah, no, you, you were fine. <laughs> um, it's actually one of my biggest pet peeves is when people show up late. I hate it. Like mm-hmm. you have, like I know you have a phone. Everybody mm-hmm. knows. Everybody does. You can call me. You can text me. Exactly. If Just you show up, if you show up late, it is literally the most disrespectful thing you it can is. do to me. It is. Um, so now I have this new policy that unless you call to tell me, right, like you did, if you show up one minute late, I leave. That's it. You're done. Yeah. I don't blame you for that because you know we have this. We and one thing I've noticed. Unless of yeah. course you're Spike Cohen, if right. you're watching right now, <laughs> because um. You're usually on time, but you know you're, Fair enough. you get a pass. He's a cool guy. Yeah, I noticed that, um, and this was probably like four or five years ago, um, back when when I was still dating, and there was I'm engaged now, but no, right. there was, I was like, uh, back, back when you were still dating. <laughs> Wasn't that three weeks ago? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I almost said something bad, but I won't. <laughs> No, I just remember there were there would be girls that that genuinely just I started noticing a trend that people just wouldn't even want to talk on the phone. They're like, no, I don't talk on the phone. Right. You know, and not just like you know that first awkward getting to know someone that first month kind of thing, but like after you've been on dates and this that, and the other, and and no, I, I really don't like talking on my phone. I don't like talking on my phone. I never do. Just text me. Yeah. I always thought that was the strangest thing because you know if I can just call you and relay so much more information, especially while I'm doing other things like. 
rushing out of the office and getting in the car to get here. You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm not thinking about trying to write a whole paragraph explaining what I'm doing and everything like that. When I can, when I can call you and spend thirty seconds on the phone and just be done, done with it. Just but the, done. the biggest thing for me outside of social media and outside of outside of uh, technology and the use of it, especially for young kids, is just the fact that the internet is a powerful tool. The internet's insanely. Powerful. You know, we're talking a lot about tools these days, and we're talking about. Guns specifically, which are a tool. Tools in and of themselves are neutral items. I don't care if it's a chainsaw. I don't care if it's a hammer. I don't care if it's an AR-15 with fifteen thousand dollars worth of attachments. Yeah, I don't These care if things it's a are. That's it. These things are built for a specific purpose, and they're meant to be used a specific way. And ninety-nine percent of the time, you need to have training and qualifications and certifications to be able to to use these items accordingly and properly without harming yourself or harming others. But the internet, to me, the internet, man, it's it's a powerful tool. And when I see these parents just willy-nilly giving their kids the internet on the phone at five, six years old, I'm just thinking of how screwed up that kid's going to be. Mm-hmm. Because how long is it, really, until they accidentally find things that are going to scar them at that age right. and or intrigue them? And how far are they going to go down that road before... I mean, my little sister specifically, we had this little hiccup. My parents filled me in about it like last year. And I mean, she was eight at the time and she had had an iPad and they didn't realize that the parent locker restriction had been, wasn't set up for that one. And so, and eventually like they went back through the whole history and I used to work in in IT and so I I tore it all apart and, and pulled back all the, all the data and went through it for like the past, I don't know, three years or so that she'd had it and to the day where she accidentally discovered porn and then how it grew from there in the history, how it was three weeks later to the day that she searched for those types of things again because it never left her mind. Right. Those things were there for three, you know, obviously it stuck out in her mind if she's still thinking about it three weeks later at that young of an age and trying to figure out what that was, what was that thing, what, what did I see that I don't understand? And then it was consistent. And consistent and consistent and consistent. And then, you know, she started being physical in, in certain ways that were just kind of like, oh, okay, well, you know, what is this What is this child doing under that blanket at 10 o'clock at night? Right. And, you know, it's 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 scary how powerful. And that's just one thing. You know right. what I mean? That's just that's so, just one taboo thing. Yeah, and it's like, I rem- so I remember growing up and we had, you know, we the internet was not as prevalent as it is now. But we, cable, you know, you had to actually right. watch... TV when it came on. Mm-hmm. Um, you you yeah. didn't have the ability. No TiVo, no recording right. boxes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And we had a. Times. We, right. we had a scrambled. <laughs> like at the time, I had no life, so that was fine with me. I would just. I knew what I was watching every single day of the week. There you go. Um, but we had a, a descrambler, a cable scrambler. So okay. we had every channel. Nice. Um, and Cheating the system. Like, yeah. From a young age. From a young age. Sounds like a libertarian. Right. <laughs> um, my parents were not happy about that because one of those channels was the Playboy channel. Ooh. And I remember when Girls I was Girls Gone like, Wild. Do you remember Girls Gone Wild? I do remember Girls Gone Wild. Oh, dude, that's classic. Yeah, that's, Never paid for it because, no, you know, that's God, lame. No. But I'd watch the, the like, rerun commercials at 3 in the three morning in the for morning. an hour and a half. Like, fuck yeah, dude. And I remember my mom. I was also 10. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my mom uh, one time sitting me down and she was like, look, I know that 
I know that we have uh, every channel out there, and there's a lot of stuff. You you love watching TV, and you love watching movies, because I do. Like, I you know, Quentin Tarantino is my favorite. You know, like, oh, yeah. Ever since I was Great a kid, director. Oh yeah. Ever since I was a kid, I've loved movies and TV. Films. And she's like, films. Films. <laughs> I've never called them that because I'm not a pretentious. Well, say, yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> well, you just add a little douchey onto it, and there you right. go. You have films. Um, I go to the cinema. No, I don't. I go to the movies. Um, but we, uh, she sat me down and she's like, look, there's going to be a time when you are going to see something and it's going to be the first time that you see it and it's never going to leave your brain. Ever. 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 And she's right. For the rest of your life. It was Selma Hayek and Desperado, so God bless that for never leaving my brain. But, like, because of, yeah. It's a good first moment. That's a great first moment. Um, I remember my porn career. But yeah, it was like, because of that, it's like, I remember that night. It's like, that's, like, I can still use that if you know right. what I mean. Right, No, I know um, what you mean. I know what you mean. That, low key, low right. key. The, the diminishing returns has not ever hit <laughs> on that one, as <laughs> it does on returns. many, many other things. Well, it's the stock market. Sometimes, right. uh, you know. Sometimes it's still <laughs> growth on that one, but it, that one has held steady. You leave it, you just put your money into it, you leave it, and then you don't check it for a long, long time, and when you do, it makes you really happy. Right, right? exactly. Um, <laughs> leave it right. back there in the back of the head. What's funny is I really hope that everybody understood that <laughs> what we just said. Probably because not. we didn't say what we were saying. No. Um, nope, nope. But I remember her telling me that, and at the time I was like, you know, whatever. Right. But she was 100% correct, and nowadays, you don't get it, like, I had to work to find it. Right, like, exactly. You had to work to find... <laughs> one blurry titty on the TV right. in the middle of the night. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's kind of scrambled, okay, I think I caught a nipple, no. Like the beginning now, of American Pie, I think. Right, exactly. Yeah, right? <laughs> Spick my hairy ass. <laughs> we have three computers and two phones sitting here. I think I've got a tablet in here somewhere as well. We could have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like seven different porn channels going at once. We can have a whole porn channel just for you guys. Let them know what you think in the comments. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Be a porn cast. Podcast. Yeah. Be a porncast. Porn pod. Porn pod. I like that. I like porn pod. <laughs> um, and remember, if, if we're filming porn. it, it's not illegal. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. No, we, officer, we had a camera. We had a camera, and it was consensual. <laughs> right, right. Um, it was consensual. I paid her to I mean, she's be passed out actress. now. That's the Rohypnol. But right. it was consensual. But it was consensual. <laughs> she did sign that she was going to take the Rohypnol. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the pudding. Man, Sorry, they're, that's they're gonna, terrible. They're going to pull this one so goddamn fast. Um, they're, well, they're talking about drugging people. We're talk, uh, oh, oh, talking about oh, Bill Cosby and drugging people. Um, but Bill Cosby, what did he do, man? Come on. Come on, Bill. But yeah, um, like I remember that. And it's like nowadays that's actually terrifying as hell. It is. Like, it is. And I don't know how much you know about my history, but it's like uh, I, I'm an addict. Like... Mm -hmm. I openly, freely admit it, like, huge drug addict. Yeah, I remember. Um, and, like, I know that the internet, like, I know that my addiction to social media is, mm -hmm. it's, an, it's an addiction. I've tried to get off of it. Playing off the same receptors right. that those drugs do. Exactly. Yeah. And I understand all that. Like, I don't want to bring a kid into this world for multiple reasons. One, I don't like the way that the world that. is going. Two, the internet exists. Mm -hmm. And three... I have that gene that I am going to pass 
to that are potentially in passing to, to a person. child to another person yep. who is then going to have to deal with all of the drug issues all the insecurities all the, all the all you, you know and you can only prevent so much as a parent right. i mean don't get me wrong every parent's goal i think every every parent is just a kid that had to grow up a little bit and is still figuring this shit out i didn't i realized that when i was like i think i was 16 and my mom said that to me and it was the craziest thing because I've always, you know, you always think of your parent as like this wise old sage or, right. you know, they just know it all because they've done it all kind of thing. And it wasn't until I had started getting older that I realized, you know, you really don't know shit sometimes. And that's when I started questioning things and started thinking, you know, adults are just people that have just had to go through experiences and are trying to do it better than the people that tried to show them how to do it or they're doing it all on their own with no experience and, and, you know, no lessons to to guide them. And when it comes to parenting, I think that's pretty much it. I think most parents, you know, new parents, strive to just do better than what their parents did. Right. And even if you nail that 100%, even if your parents were the shittiest, god-awful people and and you you set this super good standard, you're still, you know, if you know inherently that these things are a part of your genetics and you know that inherently these, you know, life was hard for you, and you're going to take a lot of that and you're going to put it in someone else. And that, that to me, feels like a lot of, not, not responsibility. It's not the fear of responsibility. Or Which, I, I mean, have, it is but, a lot of I mean, responsibility. It is, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it's, it's just, you know, you almost want to safeguard them so much that you don't even create them. And, and that's, it's, and it's that's crazy to think of it that way. But with the world and where it's at and... Where it's, just, it's really not even the world, it's society in and of itself. And, right. and a lot of our cultures where they're at, you know, you almost just want to safeguard yourself. And, you know, these children, these hypothetical children in your mind, you know, by not even having them. And right. it's, it's and a tough pill to swallow. It, it always seems a little backwards, doesn't like, it? Like, I don't want anybody to have to go through, like, alive, not alive, whatever. I don't want anybody to have to go through some of the struggles that I've had to go through. Absolutely. And... Like I know my tales of addiction. I know the issues that I've gone through, and I know sure. the like the different struggles that I had to deal with. And I know mine aren't as bad as other people's. Right. And I would hate to think that I would bring something into the world that would be wor- that would have a worse life because Absolutely. of the genetics inside me. Yeah. Nope. Right there with you. Yeah. It's. I mean, it terrifies me. Yeah. And no, like it's my, scary. It's a scary reality. My parents were like, you, you know, you should have kids. You've always wanted kids, which mm. is true. I did because I'm narcissistic as hell, and <laughs> I think that the world needs more of people like me. Yeah. A little but at the same time, I don't want to do that to somebody. Right. No. I. I. A little bit of since 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 we're still you know getting past the threshold of our our relationship here. Right. I'll <laughs> explain a little more about myself. I mean, I. You know, my family I, was his, hers, theirs, ours, the whole kaflui. I mean, I, I grew up in, in Florida primarily, but, you know, my, my mom married my dad, and they had one together, and then, you know, I was born at the end of the divorce. And so there's some changes there. And then, you know, he was in public service his whole life, and he, and he had seen some hard things and been through some hard things, and he just he turned to drugs, man. He turned to heroin eventually once he got down to the whole rabbit hole and hit the bottom and was in heroin. And, boy, did he love it. And I'll tell you, I, going from, from I, that I dynamic. I don't blame him. Yeah. No, I mean, I had a professor, believe it or not. I had a guy with two PhDs, and uh, one of them was in psychology, and the other one was in social work. And he was the coolest guy. His name was Dr. Danner. And he would come in, and he's missing a finger. He's missing this, his, uh, whatever, what is that, the ring finger? He's missing a ring finger on, I think, his left hand. 
and he would come into class. The ring finger. Right. He would come into class, and every new class, because the you know the seniors, we'd had him for a while. You know, we've been there four years. We know this guy. He's he's a hoot, and that's why we take classes with him. But then the, the you know the freshmen are coming in, and they'd ask like, "What happened to your finger?" And he'd make up a new story every time, and we wouldn't tell him because it was like, just hilarious. Like the Joker, in right? The Dark exactly. He'd say, "Oh, an alligator bit it off." And then, you know, the next semester when we get some newbies, he'll say, oh, it got trapped in a car door. Or he'll say a chainsaw or a table saw. And it was just the funniest thing. And I remember we had a class with him. And we had a class with him. And it was, I'm not going to remember the name of the class. It was Intro to Law, I think. And we were learning about due process. And he told us all at the beginning of the class, he said, some students just have a really hard time with this class, so I give you one out. If you get the due process, the Fourth Amendment, Amendment Clause tattooed on your ass, and bring me a picture or show it to me in class, I will give you an A, and you don't have to take any exams. I think you told me this story. In any the paperwork. <laughs> yep. And the, the whole point of this is this guy had not only worked for multiple federal agencies and had not only been um, you know, in public service his whole life, he had done a lot of drugs. And he, he would tell us every time, he said, drugs are fucking amazing, man. Drugs are awesome. They are. He's like, the first time. But once you, he's like, he's like he t- I remember we were walking outside a class on a, past a building that's now torn down, and he, he told me that black tar heroin was the best thing he'd ever had in his entire life, and nothing would ever beat it, ever. And that he was content with knowing that, he was con- had contented himself with accepting that, and even though that urge would always be there, he never did it again. He said he did it once. And that just blew my mind, that amount of self-will, you know, to try something that makes everything in life feel amazing for just a blip on the radar and to you know to be able to have that kind of strength to to set it down is near impossible and so yeah don't get me wrong drugs drugs that, are good i'm just gonna say <laughs> drugs are no no drugs aren't good <laughs> drugs are fun the drugs can be fun <laughs> i'll stop rambling uh yeah no that just that gave me some goosebumps um <laughs> he was a good man he really yeah. was um but yeah no and he's right they they're so much fun. They are. They are so much fun. They are. And and just as dangerous. And just as dangerous. Mm. Uh, and getting off of them is the hardest thing I have Great. ever done yep. in my life. Mm-hmm. And because of that, like because of that gene, it has caused problems in my personal life. It's caused problems in my professional life. It's caused problems throughout everything. And I've always had to try to figure out a way to work around to work, it. work around with it. Really. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my it. thing was alcohol. You know, I I, I slipped I, into a, a spot for five years. <laughs> you know, just a little little spot of time, and you know, I really didn't start changing my behavior until my twenty third birthday, a couple of years ago, and it it wasn't until then that I had really, you know, I woke up the next morning and and was, you know, my my girlfriend at the time, now fiance, had packed all of my shit into a bag. And, you know, I remember the, the parts of the night I could remember, and I just remember, you know, I should be incarcerated or I should be dead. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, that I harmed somebody or, or anything like that or anything violent, but I, I fucked up, man. And I had been doing it for so long, I just kept convincing myself that, you know, I had nothing better to do. And I knew I was in a, in a rut, and I didn't care. I just didn't. I, t- I took care of my responsibilities. But other than that, I, I didn't care. If I, if I didn't have work that day, I was pissed drunk, man. Um, and it was hard. Yeah. I couldn't have done it without Kava and Kratom. I couldn't have done it without... Okay. By the way, go check out Muddy Waters and St. Peter. They're pretty awesome. And, and, and uh, Grassroots, because they're actually our sponsor. <laughs> and Grassroots. 
And I should have known that before I came live. But uh, also, fine. you know, I mean, it was Kava and Kratom, but really it was somebody giving me my whole life when people had given me opportunities when I knew I didn't deserve them. It just felt like too much guilt. Right. And I'd rather burn it all. I get that. So I quit. Like, I quit doing drugs a while ago. Mm. Um, I don't even know how long ago at this point. Uh, but I quit drinking when I was this old. Mm-hmm. They don't know how old I am. Fair um, enough. When I was that old, and that was four and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Quitting drinking was the hardest thing yeah. that I have ever done yeah. in my life. It's brutal. Um, it really is. And I did it on a bet. Somebody was like, you can't do it. And I was like, yeah, watch me. Because nobody's going to tell me I can't do something because that's also part of the gene. Normally, you, you take a bet and then you drink. <laughs> and so I was like, he was like, if you quit for a month, I will never say anything about it again. I was like, I can do a month. It was that's brutal, easy. wasn't it? It was god awful. Yeah. Night sweats. Yes. Like, got sick. Yep. Had the tremors. Yeah. Like, and after that month, oh, when, I, when I got through that month, he said... He said, well, okay, I'll never bring it up again. And I was like, I don't know if I'll ever drink again. I don't want to go through that ever again. Like, I still went through it for another month and a half after that. Exactly. It was awful. The DTs for me, man, they were, and, and I mean, it was straight to my legs, which bothered the ever-living crap out of me because it was every night that I went to bed, never mind during the day, but every night that I went to bed, it was, I was, I was stuck between being able to fully sleep and being kind of awake. Yeah. And I could feel the tingling in my legs and the, the twitching and how much I just, my legs felt like they were spazzing. And, and I felt it in my lower back. Oh, the restless and, leg syndrome oh, thing? Dude. Oh, that's awful. And it, it that's bad. I, honestly, it, I know it came from the drinking. I just, I know it did. I, I have no idea how or why. I haven't done any research on it. But the moment I, I would quit drinking for an extended amount of time, like which for me was at the time like a week. But if I had gone, you know, more than three, four days, I, it was terrible. I couldn't fucking sleep, man. I was just trapped in this in this cycle. And then the day to day, I felt so weak and lethargic and hated everything. And I could just I was pissing brown and like just hated like sweating when you shouldn't be sweating and all sorts of things. It was pretty brutal. It yeah. was. It was. So yeah, that's why. I don't want to ever bring that into the world for somebody. Like I, I get it. You're supposed to love your child more than any. This is the weirdest you fucking do. show I've ever done. Uh, you're supposed to love. It's your because kids. I'm here. Yeah. You're supposed to love your child more than anybody else. Anything else in this world. You're supposed to. Yeah. And because of that logic, mm-hmm. why would you bring one into this world knowing that this? It's going to bring harm and pain. Exactly. And and you know what, my mother. Uh, my mother's because I've, I've mentioned this before and, and she told me well it's because you get so much out of it you know you get to bring this person into the world and you get to experience their joy and you get to experience their happiness and you get to experience them carve out their own way but even with that said the you know the argument still stands and really that's just kind of a fallacy but the negative and the harm and the pain and the, the awfulness is still out there for you know for people with our genes for the world the way it is and and for a whole myriad of reasons and it's if you truly do love someone that much i'll give you an example okay i was with a girl for almost five years and you've had two relationships that are longer than all of mine put together (laughs) i've actually had like three serious ones but yeah i was with a girl for almost five years and um i remember her mother 
told me in in Massachusetts in Worcester, Massachusetts, mass, 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 masturbate that the <laughs> um, she told me that she, Worcester, right? Worcester, yeah, Worcester. I know. Worcester. She used to get after me all the time because I can't do the accent to save Worcester. my life. It's Worcester, man. Worcester, it's you, you're whisking something. But she she told me that she kept an affair from her husband because it was a one time thing. Everybody says that, but that's what she said. She said it was a one-night stand. She didn't know the guy. It was out of the state, I think she said, and she knew that it would make her feel better to get the guilt off of her back by telling him. Right. But in some kind of twisted logic, which almost makes sense in my mind, not that I'm a cheater, she didn't tell him because she wanted because she loved him so much that she wanted to protect him even from herself right and even protect their relationship from her own skeletons in the closet and it that just kind of blew my mind and i still don't know where i fall on that one but it's kind of comes into play with this conversation right. when it comes to and i've heard i've actually heard that logic before from people that are like it's weird i was like you know no i never told her because I already hurt her. Right. I didn't want to do it again. Correct. And it's like, well, that's some backwards ass. Like, to me, it, that's some backwards ass logic. It is. It but, is. But it almost sounds the same when you say, you know, or when I, you know, I'm saying I don't want to have a, I don't want to have a kid in the future because I don't want to see them tormented and hurt and frustrated and stuck in the same ways that I was frustrated and stuck. Right. But I think what happens is we, we stick to our narcissistic side a little a little too much and you know we can we come to that conclusion but we forget how much joy and how much life we bring to that person and to other people because of that person whether it's when they're five or 25 and and the list goes on so it's kind of a, it's kind of a toss of a coin really and i don't know in my opinion it's 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 hard to really put a nail in that coffin because just is. With each passing year, it gets easier for me to put a nail in that coffin. Just That's based fair. on just based on math. That's um, fair. Just based <laughs> on math. <laughs> I'll tell you his age after. <laughs> um, but yeah, how did we get there? I don't even remember how we. Man, that was. Uh, uh, let's let's rewind. We went to. No, I have no idea. Yeah, I got I'm no sorry, clue. I couldn't tell you. Uh, maybe let's go to something a little so, bit more uh, jovial. Yeah. So, uh, Uncle Jesse's mullet. <laughs> I haven't heard that one yet. You haven't heard that one? I saw the one you posted today. Um, it was Nigeria, and it said MAGA country. Yeah, that was a... Uh, geographical map of Nigeria, and you put MAGA, MAGA country, country over... Yeah, oh, man, I was, I was dying at work. That was Ju- hilarious. Ju- Juicy, Jesse, Jesse. Yeah, Jesse Smollett. This, this dude. Man. Uncle Jesse Smollett. Um, that's a Full House reference for him. Look, I don't... I, no, I caught it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't blame... I mean... You my, don't, my you justice boner is so hard right now oh, yeah. for for how badly he's going to get screwed. He is going to get so screwed. But, I mean, I can understand trying to drum up, you know, things. A lot of celebrities try to drum up things to increase their career because publicity is publicity. There's no right. such thing as bad publicity. And for okay, so for anybody watching with the, this, wait, if anybody doesn't know, yeah, fill them in. Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, the grand jury charged. Uh, Jesse Smollett yes. today yep. uh, with uh, Thank God. Uh, impeding justice and mm-hmm. um, taking a hate crime. I don't know what it's, that is. Uh, it was uh, falsifying a police report and then and then um, also the uh, 
Uh, I think, I don't know if they have any laws on it because this is going to be based off of state law unless a, unless a Supreme Court, or not the Supreme Court, unless a federal court picks it up. Right. But um, as far as I know, I don't know their state's laws specifically. My, my, my study is in Florida, so I know Florida statutes. Right. But uh, for Chicago, at least, or for Illinois, I'm not sure exactly if they have any specific laws toward that. But as it stands, it would be obstructing justice because he lied to the police over and over and over and over and over again, as well as to the rest of America. And uh, what was it, the Breakfast Club he went on, yeah, that interview? whatever, and, that morning show. Oh, gosh. So also, he before he faked this hate crime, mm. he faked... Wasn't it, he mailed a letter? He mailed a yeah, letter, and that himself. made it federal. It did. Brought the FBI in. It wasn't even the FBI, really. It was the FBI sanctioned, the FBI portion of the federal mail service. Believe it or not, the U.S. Postal Mail has some badasses in it, man. And when I studied that crap, I was like, no way. You don't think the little mailman walking down the road has got any, uh, got any friends, you know what I mean? You don't think that's some, that's some tough badass. But let me tell you, the U.S. Federal Service, when it comes to mail, has some serious power and has some serious law power. They've got a lot of reach. They can reach to anybody. The moment he sent that in a letter, he messed up. He really did. Yeah. And he made it federal. He made it because he sent it through the federal mail, mm-hmm. and it was the beginning of his entire hate crime. Right. Fo- hoax hate crime. Right. Which he is going to get charged locally, but there is a good chance he it's also It's going to get picked up by the federal. It's going to get picked up by the yep. federal. As the federal courts, and it should be, because you, you fake anthrax in a, in a... I mean, I know it was crushed up ibuprofen, but you, f- you, you fake any type of terroristic-like attack... You deserve to be in prison. I don't, I don't. And he like he also made terroristic threats toward himself, um, saying it's that, pretty funny when you think yeah, about I it. Like, uh, so I backwards. They were going to kill his whoever wrote the letter, which was him. We were going to kill his black ass or black gay ass. Or I don't yeah, remember exactly whatever. what the phrasing was, but because like because he did that. His career is shot. Oh, it's gone. It's gone. Nobody will touch him with a 10-foot pole now because you can't advertise somebody that's been wrapped up in a scandal like this, especially when this guy drummed it up himself. Like, that's the hilarious part about it is he he tried to make this thing so big, and it's it's pretty clear that, you know, he really wanted it to be big. He just didn't think he was going to get caught. Right. That's the funny part. I mean, you know, they really didn't do it that sneaky either. Like, I saw the, the, you know, the evidence that they have thus far and the timeline. They've got got a video of the (laughs) Nigerian brothers. They really didn't think this out. (laughs) He told them what to say. He pointed them Mm -hmm. to the camera because that's the one that was going to be recording them. Yep. Like, you, you, and we posted a meme yesterday that I thought was the funniest meme Mm -hmm. I have seen. Uh, ever, possibly, <laughs> and it says Jesse Smollett is proof that writers should not direct. Uh, there are too many plot. There are too many plot holes, and you cast two yep. black guys as racist whites. This isn't <laughs> Hamilton. This isn't Hamilton. And I, I thought nice. that was so funny. That's funny. Um, That's funny. But like, one careers, careers definitely over. But sure. my question is, throughout this entire thing, I'll take this jacket off. Okay, do. Um, you're still the best dressed get host or guest <laughs> I've ever had. Just got out of the office. There's really no excuse. Um, but uh, throughout this entire thing, was he lying there in bed at night after giving an interview with CNN or the Bre- the Breakfast Club or whatever right. show he was on or anywhere else? Did he ever have the thought, man, I may have gone too far with this, or is was he so narcissistic about it that he was like? 
I'm going to err on narcissistic. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Because I saw snippets of that that morning interview that he did with, um, I think you were right. I think it was a breakfast club. I think it was. And I saw the, the full 45-second portion where he breaks down into tears and he's ex- he's explaining how, you know, she asked him, I forget exactly the wording, but she asked him, you know, how are you going to move on from this? How are you going to move forward from this? And he goes on this little tirade about how, well, I can't move on right now. But what I can do is, you know, let's at least get justice. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I, I meet 10 out of the 11 markers for a sociopath. And I couldn't have pulled that off right? as well as this guy just did. I mean, if anything, he really spoke to his acting mind. ability. I mean, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, his, his, his thought process and his plans are really screwy. He really should have tried to do right. that he should, he, should have, he should have had a better writer. <laughs> you know, but, they, they've, they've, they've put into like 400 man hours, I think, already. Yeah. But public service man hours into this case because they, they want to nail this guy to the wall for wasting their time. And honestly, I don't blame them because it's really not the waste of time that stings so much. It's and, and this is just my personal opinion, but I think that there were a lot of things during the Obama presidency that that racial divide in our country, I mean, it just it broke it wide open. And we've had a lot of scars and a lot of pain thus far and a lot of issues that have occurred. And for someone to manipulate on that, for someone to capitalize on that, bothers the crap out of me i mean that's where i'm really happy that justice is probably going to get served in this situation is is because of the fact that he was willing to manipulate something that is already so sensitive to this country as it is at this point in time and use that as his stepping stone to try and increase his political or not political career his 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 acting career his his professional career in any way it doesn't make any i mean that's just that's just dirty that's just dirty i don't care who you are that's nasty i mean yeah it's not it is not a uh, not a not classy a, move. There, it is. Yeah, it's definitely not a classy move. It's not something that anybody who the thing is, it's it, one is narcissistic as hell. Oh, because you think wrong. you're going to get away with it. I wouldn't but be. It's I a, mean, it's a weird, it's a weird division of being narcissistic and also not thinking you're good enough to be able to do it on your own. Right. So. And I'm yeah. not gonna make I'm not gonna make any like sad excuse. Insecurity like, oh, okay. as a narcissist. Oh, that's that's tough. That's, right. That's rough right. life. That's <laughs> I've been there. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna say that you know he's a victim because he had these insecurities from you know growing up black and gay. Because right. Yeah, you know, I understand that's gonna be a tough thing to deal with. That's gotta be tough. But at the same time, you were making it on your own. You didn't have to do this. I know right. that you weren't happy with what you were getting paid at Fox for I mean, Empire. I know that you were probably being written off the show. Probably. But you were all, like, even before this happened. Mm-hmm. No, I remember reading it. But you had a career that people now knew you. People knew who you were. Mm-hmm. You And not only for your acting, which right. now we all know is just on point. If they gave out Oscars for Dinkin fake Flicka. hoaxes, for, mm-hmm. not fake hoaxes, for, for <laughs> hoax hate crimes, you're winning this year. I mean, honestly. Um, his, I mean, it did speak to his acting abilities. I mean, for sure. But, 100%. But you know. he, uh, I mean, he absolutely destroyed it based on the insecurities that he had, mm-hmm. which is the only thing I can think of anyway. Right. Like, I can't think of any other reason he would have been like, I'm going to get away. Like, the narcissism is, I'm going to get away with this. Exactly. But the insecurity is the only thing I can think of on why he'd be like, I'm going to have to do this so that way I get more money, mm-hmm. more notoriety, and get more gigs. That's it. I, 
It's like it's like uh, what is it? Sean King on on Twitter and and you know, or even let me think of a tough one. Or even like you know, after the Parkland shooting or after the Pulse nightclub shooting, and you see people capitalizing on the event because it can either push their political agenda or it can push sales into some item. And it, I mean. Even even after, if the NRI did that, it would piss me off. And I mean, after it's, the, just, after it's the, not fair to manipulate, you know, a whole country of people that are dealing with a struggle, and you know, drum that up by coming up with fake struggles and make it seem like this country really is so horrible when we already have enough countries that hate us and right. we already have a bad public image. That's just where it really stings as an American, right? Because you know, you, if you, you piss away our goodwill and what little of it we have. If you take a look at for uh, what for money, right? If you take a look at the Covington kids, mm-hmm. um, that was completely drummed up. That too, and somehow I don't know how I didn't think of that. Yeah, Kavanaugh, uh, Ka- Kavanaugh. Doesn't yeah, that feel yeah. like ancient history already? It does. And it does. you know, we almost lost so many rights. And 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 I mean, that was. That was, I mean, I mean the with best Kavanaugh example. there, we kind of did lose a bunch of rights. Yeah. But, Jesus, um, man. That was the best example of guilty until proven innocent I have ever seen. Ever seen. We almost lost that as a as a pillar of our of our country. I'm not. I haven't. I'm not even willing to say that we haven't lost it. Because if you take a look at Justin Fairfax in Virginia, it's hard to fight that. It is. It if is. you take a look at Justin Fairfax in Virginia, he is going through the exact yeah. same thing that Kavanaugh is going through. Agreed. Everything is an accusation, and people are either believing it or they're not. Or they're believing. not, and it's pretty much falling right down, yep. like it's on the exact opposite side mm-hmm. of the Kavanaugh thing. In the meantime, the family's having to spend thousands of dollars on security. Their information has been doxxed. Their mm-hmm. information has been given to creeps out there, and believe me, there's creeps out there. There's creeps out there, and I mean, it's just they're getting death threats to the school, death threats to their home. Like, imagine having you know your own family. I mean, I can't imagine it, but imagine me having my own family to me is weird. And, and not being able to protect that. All of my information just being out there for anybody. Any, any good person, any bad person. All over something that was false in the first place. Yeah. I, I got in a car accident last week. I have a point. I'm going somewhere. Okay. <laughs> and the guy hit me. Um, I, was, I was making a turn into a driveway. The guy pulled out of the stop sign and just ran right into me in my back end. And, you know, he, he was a firefighter. And we get out, we talk, and we shake hands. We wait for the officer to get there. The officer gets there. We both agree on what happened. You know, it's pretty clear cut. Officer writes the narrative in the report, provides the report. We call our insurance companies and go about our ways that day. I've been out of the car since. Right. He doesn't call his insurance carrier for like four days. So I call, I set up the claim. Okay, that's weird. They get a recorded statement from him, and he says that... You know, he was stopped at the stop sign, and I drove into him. But there's no front-end damage to my car, so it doesn't make sense. So she pushes him a little further, and he says, I didn't talk to an officer. I never gave my side of the story. I'm getting an amended police report. So this whole time, I've been stuck without a vehicle, you know, a rental to replace my vehicle because they can't determine liability. This whole time, I've been sitting here thinking... But you have a police report, though. Not good enough. I'm, this whole time I'm sitting, there were no tickets and no witnesses, so. Uh. So I'm sitting here thinking this whole time, like, you know, this guy's in public service, and, you know, it's a field that I, I got a degree in and something I care deeply about, and it may not be where I am right now. I work in insurance, but, you know, how, how shitty of a person do you have to be to, 
to you know proclaim that you care and be in a field that you care about people and then try to screw them over at every last little minute that you can right and, and especially when you can just blatantly lie today and people believe you people just believe you i mean i you know I, do you know matt matt raspo i do okay yeah i got a story for you in a minute but what are you gonna say um so yeah i was i was in an accident i guess this was two years ago now i got t-boned um Know what that's like. Woman coming out of woman coming out of her driveway. Mm-hmm. Um, it was on twenty second, and I was driving. I was on my way to the airport to pick up a buddy of mine, and I guess she was looking to the right, mm-hmm. and she saw an opening on the right, and she didn't look left where mm-hmm. I was coming from, and she just ran right into the side. Right into you. Um, the insurance company on that they they were, I called you know and she. She didn't report immediately, so I called her insurance company. Right. And, That's what I did this week. Right. And I was talking with them, and they go, okay, well, we're going to have to wait for the police report and all that kind of stuff. I was like, no, that's fine. And they called me back the next day, and they went, they were like, yeah, so we went over it. Uh, we had to make sure fault, and, well, and I got real nervous because there was a pause. And I was like, there's no way you can say so this is my fault. Mm-hmm. And she said, uh... Yeah, we're we're just gonna handle all of this. Like, mm-hmm. Exactly. Cool. cool. As they should. Right. Because there there was no way. Like she just flat out right. right into the side of me. And I mean, I'm I'm a week and a half into mine, and I mean the back, the damage is to like the driver side, rear wheel, and trunk and quarter panel portion. So the damage adds up, and there's no other damage to the car. It's a brand new car. And, you know, I've been out of a car this week and, and, you know, me and my fiance are down to one car and, you know, the only way to get a rental with my insurance company is to follow the claim through them. And I'm just dealing with this issue where, you know, I'm dealing with the, the insurance, the head of the, of my claim for his insurance company. And she's telling me over the phone on a recorded line. She's like, no, I, I, he's lying. She's like, I know, but I can't do anything about it. I have to follow these policies and procedures and, our policies and procedures are uh, to always err on the side of of our insured. Right. And so we just have to do that until, you know, he can come up with something or come up with nothing. So she finally just gave me a date and she was like, I'm going to set it to this date. And if he doesn't come up with a police report until then, then, you know, we're going to err on your side and we can finally get this stuff started. But it's the same thing with politics. It's the same thing where... You know, you're you're almost bound by the procedures and and the policies. You know, these aides that are actually sending out the tweets for these congressmen or, or congresswomen, and you know the 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 people that that the grunts, the people that really do the work, are bound with their hands tied and their mouths gagged, and it's really the people that they're working for that are lying. Right. And when you lie like that, you can convince a lot of people with just a lie on Twitter nowadays. And it blows my mind how much that divides our country and how quickly it does. And, I mean, Jussie, Jussie uh, I still, I think Jussie. that's, I, is that how you say it? I don't it's even know. J-U, but yeah. every, everything I've heard and everything I've read, it just seems like it's Jesse. I don't, I don't know. Is Maybe it? it's Jussie. I'm not I don't sure. know. Jussie Park, Jurassic Park. What? Yeah, Jesse yeah. <laughs> Rass. Uncle Jesse's mullet. <laughs> Uncle uh, Jesse's mullet. mullet. That's great, man. Um, you should get a T-shirt with that. <laughs> but he, uh, like, he told one lie. I mean, it was a big lie, but he told one lie to the world, and the it world. spread. 
Like fire. Like fire. Yeah. And now he was the one that cut his face. Mm-hmm. He was the one, like, I think the guys punched him, but he was actually the one yep. that caused the bruising mm-hmm. on himself. Oh, yeah. He told him not to hurt me. Right. He said, let me put up a little bit of a fight, and I'm going to rough myself up afterwards. Right. Um, and, I mean, for method acting, on point. Like, good, sure. on, good on you. Like, you, Maybe I'll you get, took like, it to an the limit. extra in a movie right. 10 years from now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he took one lie. Because he wanted to further his career. Potentially, yeah. I also have a theory that he's trying to help out uh, Cory Booker and Kamala Harris with an anti-lynching bill. Um, I think Fair. that also has something to do with it. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, does, unfortunately. I think that he's tr- he was trying to further his career and help that bill out. And because of this one lie that he was like, okay, I'm going to run with this. Mm-hmm. He's destroyed his career. He's destroyed his credibility. He's destroyed the credibility of the countless people. Uh, who have gone on Twitter, who were supporting him, were saying that we need to, uh, did. who uh, we need to find justice for Jesse, uh, that we need to, um, yeah, we do, like what's well, <laughs> yeah, we do, yeah, we definitely need to find justice for Jesse, Jesse, Je- whatever, uh, <laughs> however you that say dude. his that one dude. guy, um, what's her name, uh, Juno, mm-hmm. uh, Ellen Page. Yep, Ellen, Ellen Page. Ellen Page was yeah. on... Oh, God, uh, don't even get me started on that. She she was on <laughs> one of the late night talk guys. How can Stephen you Colbert. say that lynching is not right? <laughs> right. How like, can you debate that? Today, like, <laughs> she's like crying. Yeah, full-blown. Full-blown, just bawling up mm-hmm. and on national television, begging for us to be a better nation. And it's all based on a lie. Yeah, everything. And not about only it. that, and it, but there's a little, there's actually a little thing in between there, between that lie and between the overreactions from that lie. There's something in there, right? And it's supposed to be common sense, critical thinking, and facts, right? And we didn't use any but of them. Let's eliminate that from our society and throw it out the fucking window, and then we'll see how people come up with with things. Oh, they really don't. They just follow whatever they're told, and that that bothers me, even from a young age. I didn't like being told what to do, like most young kids. But as I got older, it really wasn't authority that bothered me. There was a lot of authority in my life that I respected. And, you know, even government institutions that I respected and appreciated. But being told something was absolute without me getting the the time, space, or day to determine whether or not I found it an absolute truth right. bothered me. And it still bothers me to this day. You're supposed to have these critical thinking skills that you put into effect when, when these types of controversial, controversial issues come into the light. And when you don't, you normally hop on a bandwagon. And you're normally put in one of two groups. And that sucks. Because that doesn't accomplish anything. That just divides. Right. And eventually, if you have such a division and so many people on each side, things get ugly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go light years back on you. All right, uh, bring it light, up. light years back on you. I might not know it. You, you will. Um, it was, I don't even remember the name of the town. Um, this is, this is going to be told. Do you remember Hands Up, Don't Shoot? Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. That, this, is what, this is where I'm going. I had, I, mean, to write a, I had to write a 15-page paper on that event. Yeah, hands up, don't shoot. Good time yeah. to be in school. When that story first broke, mm-hmm. the story was that this out, this metropolitan, uh, it was outside of St. Louis. I can't remember the name of the city. It was, uh, um, Ferguson was in Missouri. Ferguson. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ferguson. St. Louis is in Missouri. Right. I don't Ferguson. know geography. Uh, <laughs> the Ferguson cop mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Pulled this guy over. Yep, shot him for no reason. The guy was walking away with yep. his hands up, and he shot him. Yeah. That was the narrative. That was the narrative everybody ran with. The St. Louis Rams. And they beat it they, to death. To death. The St. Louis Rams, which, death. huge Rams fan. Mm-hmm. Before the game, after this happened, two of the players stood outside, but before they ran out of the tunnel, they stood outside, and they held their hands up in protest. Yep. <laughs> and the Ferguson police, St. Louis police, got really mad at the Rams about it and asked them to do a formal apology, which the Rams never did. Mm-hmm. I think they ended up doing it later, but not like publicly. Right. Um, after all the facts had come out. Yeah. And everybody was just going after this racist cop in Ferguson, Missouri. Same things were happening. He was getting doxxed. Like, yep. people, he had to move. Like, yep. he didn't get charged. People were giving him death threats. And lost then, his job. Lost his job. Lost his career. Yeah. Man. And then he ended up, it turned out that everything that was said was wrong. All of it. Every single thing that was said was wrong. Oops. And But at that point, now it's just damage control. Now it's get it out of the media and the public eye as soon as possible. Right. Because once you do that, out of sight, out of mind for a lot of people. Right. You know, how long ago was Kavanaugh? October. That was not long ago. No. It feels like ancient history. To me, at least. Not ancient history, but it feels like it was a year ago. It feels like it was a while ago. And it's because, well, we have all this attention over here. Let's make a fire over here and get everybody over here. Because, oh shit, this just turned. And now this doesn't push whatever it is we want to push. So let's get everybody away from it and have them focus on this thing. Right. And it's 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 really just mind games. True. You know, you're just you're just tricking people to take their attention from one thing to another. And when it found out, here's the thing that bothers me the most: when it's found out that all of that was false, he still lost his job. His family's life is still at risk. There's still a lot of security issues uh, for him and his family. And you know, he lost his whole career. And he can never be a cop again. I guarantee you, there's there's not going to be a single department that will touch him because it will just cause controversy for that department. And no police chief's going to say, or mayor is going to say, yeah, you know what, we need that right now. Right. It's not going to happen. So you lose your career and your whole field. And that, to me, would hurt more than anything, to, to have that stripped from you. But not only stripped from you, stripped from you wrongfully. That hurts. Right. I don't know. And it's crazy to me. Are they telling me to shut up? No. <laughs> no. It was somebody, somebody asked to... Somebody asked a very strange question. Um, um, spicy question. I, I wish it was spicy. Um, <laughs> she's still watching. Never mind. Um, <laughs> Talk about that later. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're right. There's been a history over the last, I don't know how long, of these, of these hate crimes that have been committed. And the ones that make the news, the mm. ones that are the big ones, yep. have typically turned out to be fake. Yeah. Exactly. That's shit that never happened land. Exactly. Is really all it is. And it always starts with some morally, I don't want to say morally, it always starts with some person that is just on the highest pedestal for, you know, the Olympics of SJWs. It always starts out with someone that is just, you know, everything on the checkbox. They're an attack helicopter, they're black, they're female, they're a feminist, they're trans, they're all these things in one. And someone from the group or ideology or thought that they don't like does this thing and they school them in some way and everybody claps. Right. Like that's, 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 that's yeah. really, and, and I mean, that's essentially what this is, just drummed up on a way bigger scale. 
and you know for nefarious reasons right so to further a career to make money and to spur hatred but the spurring of the hatred is what bothers me as, a, as an american because you're teaching us and and trying to influence us and trying to persuade us very well sometimes to hate each other to hate your neighbor the people that you have to deal with and see every single day right. instead of preaching compassion and understanding the uh, when the Ferguson thing was going on, it because of the media that that one was getting, mm-hmm. which was huge. It was, I mean, it was every. It was. They it burned their whole city down. They did. I mean, they burned black store owners' buildings and stores. I mean, it's um, bewildering, honestly. During that time period, something like another cop-related incident on black man happened, yeah. and that was the "I can't breathe" incident. Yep. And that, yep. I think, was an actually justified, needed to what be... What was looked, his name? I don't remember his name right now, because like, I did not... I know remember we what take, you're talking about. Yeah. I didn't know that we were going to be taking this road, so... <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. I mean... It's been, a great, first, blah, blah. Okay. it's been a great conversation, but because of everything going into Ferguson, which was completely fabricated, everything mm-hmm. about it was based on a lie, this man that died... Yeah. Because he was choked out by a cop... Mm-hmm. Did not get the press. And people started, nope. and people on the right, nope. I'm not going to give people on the right a break on this one, even nah. a little bit, because then they started saying, oh, he was breaking the law by selling yeah. Lucy's, and he had an arrest record, mm-hmm. and whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Like, what he was doing in that moment was it's not... what determines whether or not your life should be at risk, or whether or not the the level that that officer has to climb to to stop the threat is so great that it could cost your life. Mm-hmm. It, it really it only breaks down to what occurs in that moment, right. not because nine times out of ten they're chasing a suspect that they've barely had two sentences with before they took off, before the bullets started going, before all of this shit. They don't know nine times out of ten who it is they're even dealing with yet. Right. They don't go, hey, you know what? Let's go find this guy with a rap sheet as long as my arm and who's the opposite of our racial skin tone, and let's just let's just go find him and, and kill him. Like, that's how it works. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, but then again, I've been around police departments my whole life, and I've worked in it for, you know, for five years of my career. And, and it, you know, I've seen that side, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people have an upbringing and life experiences that reinforces a negative stereotype of law enforcement, much like you, I don't want to say you were brought up in, a, in an environment where you had a negative reinforcement for for people of other other racial right. skin for other minorities but for pe- it's the same thing i mean it's you know they put on that blue and that badge it's the same understanding it's the same negative reinforcement as as neo nazis when they see a black person and 9 times out of 10 it's just negative reinforcement that was introduced to your life usually at a young age usually at a young age and it just grows right um woo. man i ain't got like I went like 25 minutes over my minute. I hope time. I don't like make you lose your sponsor. <laughs> oh, no. God, no. I've been, no, a little, no, no, no. I've been a little edgy boy tonight. Man. <laughs> you, you apparently don't watch our show very often because uh, this one's mild. Fair enough. This one's Fair real enough. mild. As long as I'm not, I'm not you know, offending any of the uh, oh, special snowflakes. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we're probably offending lots of people. But, uh, the, I mean, that's... That's the point. It yeah. opens your mind. 
we have a regular saying. It's almost become it's a, it's a saying that's been said almost on every episode of the Tuesday, the flagship program of Muddy Waters Media and Muddy Waters of Freedom. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a saying that we have said pretty much every week for the last, I'm going to say, three four months. Okay, three to four months, and it's uh, a good amount of time. Yeah, we here at the Muddy Waters Media don't actually condone rape. Fair enough. Because that's how often we talk about it and end mm-hmm. up making very inappropriate jokes. you got to make it known right yeah. away. <laughs> so, once again, we here at Muddy Waters Media don't actually condone... Me neither. Me neither. Yeah, I don't want to speak not for you, all. but I would imagine... <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, pal. No, right. no, not at all. But I but I get it, you know, and here... It takes us back to almost the beginning of the conversation where I started understanding politics and where I started developing my own opinions and values. Milo Yiannopoulos when he first started, was unknown, and boy, was he edgy. Right. And he said controversial things, and there were a lot of things I didn't agree with. Some of them I may agree with now. But those negative things, they seem negative in the moment. They seem negative when you're young and you're dumb and you don't get it. Or sometimes they're just genuinely negative things, and you shouldn't buy into that crap. Right. But the thing is is that it, it makes you turn on your brain. And it makes you use your critical thinking skills to decipher and determine and analyze and process, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Do I agree with this? Do I not agree with this? And it kind of comes full circle. And, you know, pretty much everything that we've talked about tonight, wow, I'm going to be able to sum this up. That's a (laughs) fucking miracle. (laughs) Everything we actually talked about tonight, because this actually works. I don't believe it. Normally it doesn't work like this. Everything that we talked about tonight... Uh, comes back to we need to have the ability to critically look at any situation, any, any idea, and everything, and be able to make your own well thought out opinions. Correct. You can't just look at something and go, okay, well that's the way it is. Correct. We've got a good friend of the show, Joshua Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, he's out in California. Uh, he's running for the chair of the Libertarian Party out there. He there ran you for, go. Wow. He, he ran for the national chair uh-huh. uh, last time against. Shmari Sarwark, and um, he ended up losing, which sucks. But um, good friend of the show, and he was on my show a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about the Covington kids, and because that was when that was happening, right? Um, Because you know, news comes at you fast. It does, and does we here at Muddy Waters Media come at you faster? Um, (laughs) But but no rape jokes. But no, 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 just just kidding. Tons of those. Um, But we don't condone it, right? But we definitely don't condone it. But he said, whenever something like this happens, he was actually on the show the day that the Smollett thing happened as well. Really? Um, so he's been there for the two big ones, uh, the two big recent ones. And both of them, he said, I'm not going to make a decision until the dust has settled a little that's bit it. and all of the information starts coming in. That's it. And that's what people need to start doing. You need mm-hmm. to. You can't rush to judgment on these things. Correct. Much like you have to take the time to think, mm-hmm. like we were saying earlier, you have to take the time to think. That's the critical part of the critical thinking, right. is, is, is making a thinking sound is the critical part judgment. Of the critical thinking. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's making a sound judgment and determination, and you can't, you can't do that entirely until you have all the facts or as many as possible. Right. And so it's not about coming up with your own opinion right off the fly and throwing it that out there. That was a there. hell of a snap you had. Sorry. <laughs> throwing it out there for the whole world to see and everybody to jump on and discuss. It's also about being able to reserve that opinion and hold on to it. You know, that's the one thing about me. This is actually the first time I've ever really talked about my own 
my own political world, my own political life, my own understandings, values. This is actually the first time I've really had a discussion with somebody about it, especially live for other people. Right. <laughs> and I, genuinely. And I will say, for your first time doing this, especially <laughs> going live, you're killing it. Like I'm really, I'm sorry for everybody watching that has to see like my face melting in this in this lighting. <laughs> I look like a blob, and I have more hair than that. You just can't tell because camera. <laughs> But thank you. That's I'm trying. Some of that's to be fake, news. Uh, fake news. <laughs> some of that's fake news. Um, you can guess which part. Um, <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> it's all about being honest, and it's all about being open. And to be honest with you, that was something I was scared to do for a long time, especially on on I was on a very liberal college campus, and it just didn't seem smart. Right. You know, why would you stick your hand in the uh, you know the fire ant mound? Right. Like why would you? So it, it's I think sometimes it's great to come up with opinions and values and read and study and research and understand everything and anything to do with any type of situation. Sometimes it's best though to keep that to yourself. Wait. Wait. Be patient. Use that critical part of the critical thinking and determine sound judgment. Right. You know. Yeah. Um Man, I couldn't wrap that up any better than that. I'm trying. All right. Well, this has been fun. It, yeah, it's been a great time. That was Absolutely. seriously like most of mine don't really go more than like 45 minutes to an hour. It's been an hour and a half already. Yeah, no, you, you killed it today. Hey, um, <laughs> Hopefully, so you'll have me back on in the future. I would, would love to have you back on. Um, normally, I'm like, hey, if you want to push anything, plug anything, knock yourself out. So it's uh, up to you. You can follow me on Instagram at. I'm Josh, though, but it's T-H-O, and there's no apostrophe in I'm. But other than that, I, am I, I don't even have a Facebook anymore. Yeah. I'm pretty lame nowadays. No, no that makes you so much better than so many <laughs> other people. Um. But I, honestly, I had, a, I had a wonderful time, and I appreciate everybody watching and listening and, and for supporting this. This is, this is the beauty of what we have in our country. And what, what scares me today is that we have a lot of people trying to take that away. When you can have two people with... Two different backgrounds and two different lives and two different everything and have civil discourse and just appreciate being in each other's company and having a discussion. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's our country. And, you know, we lose that. We throw that out the window. We might as well throw everything else out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So thank you. No, absolutely. And I, I do hope that uh, I'm glad you had a great time and I'd love to have you back on sometime. That'd be great. Excellent. That'd be great. And thank you, you guys. Uh, everybody else, you can follow us on Facebook at... Well, first, uh, next week, Tuesday, all-new episode of Muddy Waters. Hang on, what, what month is this? Okay, still, okay. We got new shows coming up in March. So well, that's 12th. Like, right, it, we have new shows coming up in March. I had to see <laughs> what luck. date we were on right now. Um, Tuesday, all-new episode of Muddy Waters of Freedom, all-new episode of My Fellow Americans on Wednesday with Spike Cohen, and all-new episode of The Writer's Block next Thursday with me here. Um, and you can follow us at facebook.com slash Freedom. You can follow us on Instagram at Freedom on Twitter at muddied underscore waters. You can follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash Media, And you can find this in every episode of Muddy Waters Media at muddiedwatersoffreedom.com. Tune in next week. Tune in to it all. And um, it's going to be a blast. You'll enjoy it. What he says. Come hang out. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And uh, like, share, do all of that stuff that people do. Thanks. I am. I am swinging from a seven story window. Throwing parties in a 10 by 7 cell It's just earning the legs I'll go To convince the whole damn world
Yeah. Hey. 